thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. And our title this morning is God in a Box. So let's turn to God's Word and see, is God in a box? Let's turn to the book of Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 1. If you're not quite sure where that is, it can be a tricky wee book to find it. Just remember the wee rhyme, get every pub closed. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, get every pub closed. And you'll find Colossians at the end of that wee rhyme. So Colossians uh, 1 and verse 1, Paul is speaking to a set of believers and he introduces himself, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Balamani Elam, we could call it, because the word is for us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven and of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Also, you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Paul continues, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray For you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And I love this verse, I'm sure you do as well. He has delivered us from the, the power of darkness or the domain of darkness, and He has transferred or He has translated us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of, uh, from the dead, and in all things that he may have preeminence. So is God in a box? Somehow I think not. For it pleased the Father 
that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. God in a box. Put my glasses on for this wee bit because the wee image that I'm going to read to you is quite small. Please listen to this. Please pay attention to the words. If you want, I'll talk to you about God and salvation. I'll turn up the volume of heartbreak to the maximum, so to speak. The fact is that I'm a Christian, this person says which usually rather sets me up as an example for constant ridicule in the anti-corruption foundation because mostly our people are atheists. And I was once quite a militant atheist myself, but now, now I am a believer. And that helps me a lot in my activities because everything becomes much, much easier. I think about things a lot less. There are fewer dilemmas in my life because there is a book, a book in which in general it is more or less clearly written what action to take in every situation. It's not always easy to follow this book of course but I am actually trying and so as I said it's easier for me probably than for many others to engage in politics. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. I've always thought that this particular commandment is more or less an instruction to activity. And so while certainly not really enjoying the place where I am, I have no regrets about coming back or about what I am doing. It's fine because I did the right thing. On the contrary, I feel a real kind of satisfaction because at some difficult moment I did as required by the instructions and I did not betray the commandment. And so, while certainly not really enjoying the place where I am, I have no regrets about coming back. Any idea who said this while they were in prison? Some of you might know, most of you might be surprised. His name was Alexei Navalny. President Putin's fiercest critic, sentenced to 19 years imprisonment, returned back to Russia a few years ago for uh, an imprisonment for speaking the truth, most likely murdered in a high security prison nine days ago. He said, I feel a real kind of satisfaction because I did as required by the instructions and I did not betray the commandment. What a man. What a man and what a stand he took for the truth. Folks, it's a, it's a fallen world that we live in. Leaders rule with fear and people are fallen and governments are failing while Christians are fallible and often falter. But God is faithful. He's the same God that he has always been. He's been dependable and compassionate and true, unchanged, unperturbed and on 
deterred, always wanting more of our hearts. I read these six beautiful words during the week, and I just I have not been able to get them out of my mind. It's a, a guy who I would have known maybe nearly 35, 40 years ago when I was ministering in Hereford over in England, uh, and this guy posted this among a lot of other things, and it just it captivated me, and I, I just had to write it down and then used it for one of my images this morning. Jesus, continue to develop my heart. Now, to develop something is to to grow it gradually, for it to become bigger, more advanced, for it to become stronger. Can we honestly pray that this morning? Can you close your eyes for a moment, please? Just close your eyes, and I'll read it to you again while your eyes are closed. Jesus, continue to develop my heart. Just keep your eyes closed for a little while longer. Jesus, do a work in me, a work that goes deep. So deep that it is meaningful. So deep that it changes me. So deep that it lasts the test of time. On changing one, change me so that I am more like you. More compassionate, more obedient, and more open to you and the leading of the blessed Holy Spirit. Less selfish and less of self. Less self-seeking and self-serving. Develop our hearts to be more like you. To want more of you. And to have more of a servant heart. Just like your son Jesus. Amen. Thank you. God in a box. Somehow, I don't think so. You see, you cannot put God into a box. You can't confine him. You can't contain him. You can't control him. You can't force his hand. You can't twist his arm. You can't change his mind, no matter how hard you try, because he is on changing. He's uncontainable, he's undefinable, he's unassailable, he's incomprehensible, he's indisputable, and he's indestructible. He holds all things together by his mighty power, and we read that in Colossians this morning. He's as solid as a rock because he's the rock of all ages. He's higher than a high tower where the righteous run into and are saved. He's our dwelling place throughout all generations, not just for a few hours on a Sunday morning or a, or a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a, on a Friday morning or whenever we meet with our church family. 
Not just for a few hours or a few days, not just for a few weeks or a number of months, but forever and forever, he is faithful through all generations. So God in a box? I don't think so. But are we guilty, perhaps in our minds, of putting him in a box of our own making? Have we boxed him in with our own thinking? I know for, for myself, for one, that I do that. But can we endeavor to change how we think? Can we endeavor to pray that prayer, those six simple yet challenging words, Jesus, continue to develop my heart? Can we take a wee moment and just take stock of, of where we are? All of a sudden, it's the last Sunday in February. We're almost two months, 56 days to be precise into the new year. 15% of the year has already gone. A colleague of mine said yesterday, don't walk into March without knowing you've got the best out of February. I like that. Don't Walk into March without knowing that you've got the best out of February. Have you got the best out of February? If not, it's not too late. Start today. Start now. Start right now. Settle it in your heart that you'll get the best out of these next five days. And of course, spring is just around the corner. Our wee cherry blossom tree is starting to bloom and the wee daffs are poking their heads up through the soil. It's all change. In 15 months' time, I'll be 60. Now, I know you don't believe it. Come on, let's be honest. And in 135 months, I'll have done my three score years and 10 if God spares me, and I hope he does. So that's scary for me and it's reality as well. So my prayer this morning with five more days in February and 135 more months if God spares me to I'm 70, my prayer this morning is Jesus, continue to develop my heart. So let's not box God in. Instead, let him develop our hearts so that we can serve him better. The message this morning, I think, is a bit of a strange message. It's not like a normal preach because I felt compelled during the week to ask some challenging questions, which I'll put up shortly. And of course, anyone who has ever preached or, or brought a message or done anything like this will know that before you dare stand up on the platform or take the mic in your hand that you preach it to yourself. And that's the only way to do it. I won't be developing these questions very much or dwelling on them very much, I don't believe. So hopefully you'll have your luncheon time today. Or if I do end up developing them, maybe you'll get your tea on time. And so here's the questions. You don't need to write them down if you do take notes because we'll be bringing each one up individually. But the first question that I am compelled to ask you this morning is, are you living your life in color or in black and white? 
second question is, are we a friend of change? Third question is this, altar call. It's a long time from we've heard of an altar call, isn't it? It used to be a big thing years ago. So the third question is, altar call, have we altered the call? And the fourth question is, how hot is our spiritual greenhouse? Anyone got a greenhouse? Bessie, you're the only one. We'll all have to come to your house then. Fifth question, it's a really, really strange one, very random, elephants or eggshells? And lastly, wrong question, how big is your church? First question, are we living our life in color or black and white? What's your outlook on life? What's the color of the picture that you're looking at? Is your vision for your life and is your vision for our church bright and colorful or is it monotone and mediocre? Is the future as far as you can see? Is it in color or is it in black and white? Anyone be honest enough to admit that they had a, I'm putting my hand down, a black and white TV? Desi, are you going to put your hand up again? I, I think there's a few more people who might, might have had a few black and white TVs in their time. As the man says, is your glass half full or is it half empty? I personally love colour. Maybe you can see that. Maybe you can tell by the personality. I really, really believe that God loves colour. Do you ever see a beautiful sunrise? Do you ever see a beautiful sunset? Do you ever see a beautiful field of flowers? Do you ever stop driving to just look at something that is beautiful? That just literally stops you in your tracks because the God of all creation has just, he's just created something beautiful. Years and years and years ago when I was growing up, many years before I met Esther, uh, we lived in a very strange house, physical strange house, in case you're wondering. Uh, this house was called Torre Blanca. See, I know Spanish. White Tower. I know two words. This house was built in the 60s. It was basically a flat roof house with a tower in the middle and guess what color the tower was? Tora Blanca. It was a white tower. And the reason why this house was built, it was built just outside Portadown, and it was built by a man called Sam McGrady. Anyone like roses? 
Anyone ever hear of McGrady's roses? They were world famous roses. They were, they were incredible flowers, incredible colors. They would have bred different, different um, types of roses year on year. And my father um, bought this house for us to live in. And the reason why there was a white tower and there was circular glazing around the tower two, three stories high was so that Sam McGrady, who owned the house prior to us, who, who had, I'm sure, hundreds of acres, if, you've, if you'd ever been there, it was phenomenal, hundreds of acres of roses. And this was so that he could view all of these beautiful roses. Why am I saying that? God loves color. As we progress through 2024 and we, we soon transition into the month of March, Christian, can we look on the bright side of everything as, as far as our spiritual things are concerned? Can we allow Jesus to continually develop our hearts and add so much more color into our lives? On friends, uh, on see a friend this morning, when are you going to let him in? When are you going to live your life in color instead of black and white? Because when you become a Christian, your whole vision and your whole life changes from living in monotone and black and white to living in the splendor of color. Second question, are we a friend of change? Somebody put this message on their answering phone. I'm not available right now, but thank you for caring enough to call. I've been making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return your call, unfortunately you were one of those changes. Fifteen is the number of months that Esther and I have been in Balamani. I think it would be fair to say that in that period of time that we've brought a lot of changes. It's a lot of change for some people. It's not enough change for some other people. But listen, that's life. We're not always going to be on the same page, but we should always be gracious. We should always be loving. We should always be understanding and agree to disagree gracefully with our brothers and sisters in Christ. My father loved little sayings. Maybe that's why I'm a wee bit of a storyteller myself. He used to say this, some like it hot and some like it cold and some like it what it's not. We always seem to like it what it's not. But should we be saying, Jesus... Continue to develop my heart. Can we try to be a friend of change? A friend of what God wants to do in our lives personally, first and foremost, and corporately as a, as a family of God? Can we embrace change and allow God to do absolutely whatever he wants to do. The third question, the altar call, have we 
altered the call. The nervous bride is desperate to remember the order of events in her wedding. She walks up the aisle. She and her groom approach the altar. They then sing a hymn. She mutters this under her breath time and time again as the service begins. By the time she arrives at the groom's side, the unsuspecting grooms hear her saying, I'll alter him. The moral of the story is, as much as we might like to change and alter other people, we can only change ourselves. And that's what altars are all about. An altar is a place where we can be changed. It's a place where we are altered to be more like Jesus. But have we altered the altar call? Have we made the altar call too soft? Have we made it too easy? Have we made it too comfortable to follow Jesus? What I read to you at the start from uh, Alexei wasn't made too easy for him to stand up for the truth. Jesus said, if anyone wants to become my disciple, he or she must do three things, three simple things. Only three things. Do you want to hear them? Number one, deny yourself. Ooh, that's a wee bit of a toughie. Deny themselves. Secondly, what's the second thing? Pick up your cross. In fact, he qualified it. Pick up your cross daily. It's not just a one-off. Thirdly, follow me. So that's what Jesus said if we want to become disciples. And I would say that the vast majority of us this morning would admit to the fact that we are disciples of Jesus. Do we do those three things every day? Do we deny ourselves? Do we pick up our cross, whatever that may look like, daily? And do we follow him or do we follow ourselves? And what we want to do. You see that's how hard the altar call should be. It's all or nothing. It's asking Jesus to continually develop our hearts. Whatever the cost. To continually change us. To make us more like him. Whatever the cost. Whatever the calling. Anything. Anywhere. Any time. That's what our response should be to the unaltered altar call for our lives. Lord Jesus, I lay my life on the altar for you. Speak to me. Do with me. Change me. Alter me. All for your glory. Next question. How hot is your spiritual greenhouse? What's the temperature like? What's the spiritual temperature like? 
There are only three bands of temperatures as far as God is concerned, I believe. Hot, cold, and lukewarm. If our constant prayer is, Jesus, continue to develop my heart, then our spiritual greenhouse will be in good condition and a good temperature for things to grow. You see, nothing can grow in a cold or a lukewarm atmosphere. Let's make sure that our hearts are always primed for growth and development in God. I don't know much about greenhouses. We do like our garden, but we haven't really grown things in greenhouses. But my understanding of it would be that the things that you grow in greenhouses shouldn't stay there forever. We shouldn't stay in this spiritual greenhouse all the time. We need to get out through the doors, don't we? And for some people that might be a call to missions. The Brothersons have four girls, I think that's right. Four girls and they're going to Estonia. These are young children. I think the most of them perhaps are primary school age. Perhaps maybe one or two might be slightly older. I am going to race on because I do want you to have your dinner today. Elephants or eggshells, what's this all about? What about elephants in the room? We'll not get cheeky here. What about walking on eggshells? What do these two sayings have in common? They both refer to us having to be very careful when we're around certain people or dealing with certain situations. Have you ever walked on eggshells with some people, metaphorically speaking? Not knowing what to say out of fear of it being picked up wrong or have them explode in front of your very eyes? Or have you ever avoided the elephant in the room And what is the elephant in the room? It's something that's so obvious and so evident, just like an an elephant. If an elephant was in the room, it would be obvious, wouldn't it? But it never gets talked about. Sometimes in life, we have to navigate tricky situations. And we have to be so careful what we say to certain people. Because people today get so easily offended by our words. But can I say this? Jesus never avoided the elephant in the room. He always said it as it was. He called a spade a spade. He never tippy-toed around people or situations. He never walked on eggshells with people scared of offending them. No, he called sin what it was, which is sin. He called hell, hell. He told everyone that he came not to be served, but to serve and to do what? To give his life a ransom for many so that sin could be defeated. And we celebrated that through the table this morning as Dave led us and talked about the the sting of death has been taken away. Jesus came and gave his life as a ransom for many so that no one would end up in hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for anybody else. So folks, he has come that we would have life. 
That we would live our life in color, not in black and white. So may we not let the fear of man ensnare or trap us. Last question, you'll be glad to know. And it's the wrong question. And it's a question that in ministry and JT, you've probably heard it and you'll find out as you travel through MIT and beyond that when you meet your colleagues and I'm at an advance, uh, which is a, a conference for leaders during the week. And folks, do pray for JT and the, the young people from Friday night, Friday through to uh, Sunday at some stage. They're going on their first youth weekend in, in his charge. Uh, we definitely need to pray for you. But quite often when we meet up with colleagues, they'll say, how big is your church? Wrong question. What should the question be? How healthy is your church? How healthy are the people in your church? How, how healthy is your church spiritually, not numerically? Now, now don't get me wrong. It's lovely to see the place nearly filled every Sunday. Does my heart good? And I'm sure it does your heart good too. And even in the 15 months that we've been here, wow, the new faces that have come over the past year, 15 months, over the past few weeks and, and months, it's, it's phenomenal to see you. And, and, and it's, it's great to see all of those who have been here for many, many years. We don't want to leave you out either. But thank you for everyone who has come recently to Balabani. Elam and it's our, it's our prayer every day that you will feel welcome, that you will feel appreciated, that you will feel that Balamani Elam is, is a safe place for you to belong. But we long for more. We long for God to do more among us, don't we? We long for more people to get saved. We long for more people to get healed. We long for more people to be changed. Folks, if you ever need prayer, please ask us. Please come out on Tuesday night. Please come out to our encounter night. That's what we want to do. We want to encounter the presence of the Lord. Please, please, please come out. I'm going to wrap this up shortly. Spurgeon was once asked how many people got saved when he did the appeal and he said three and a half people got saved and the person said oh right okay um, three adults and, and one child I imagine and he says no 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 he says three children got saved and one adult because adults have already lived half their lives speaking with Desi on Monday morning at, at toddlers we, we popped in for Ten minutes, Esther, on Monday morning. <laughs> Two hours later. <laughs> but Desi would have great we chat at the table. Desi was telling the story of a, a young girl, ten years of age. Her father, her father's a pastor, I think I've got this right. Forgive me if I haven't. A pastor of an underground church. The young girl was at home, ten years of age, on her own. 
a knock came to the door. It's a policeman. Policeman had turned up to arrest her pastor father. She said, he's not here. Would you like to come in? The policeman came in. The 10-year-old girl said, I'm just about to make lunch. Would you like some lunch? And he said, that's very kind of you. Yes, thank you very much. And he sat down and she made him lunch. And before they had lunch, she prayed. She prayed and she gave thanks to God for the food. The policeman got saved. Gwen sent me a video during the week. You know she's got a real heart for Israel. The two speakers on this video shared this. Since the attack on Israel on October the 7th, we've been seeing an openness to the gospel among Israelites. By God's grace, our recent video about how to find eternal hope at the midst of this crisis has now reached 3 million views in Hebrew alone. Wow, isn't that amazing? God is moving and he's changing people all over the world. And he's bringing them from darkness into light. He's bringing them from black and white into color. And what are we doing? And I say that respectfully. And I ask myself the same question. Can we pray this prayer? Jesus, continue to develop my heart. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com.